Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, Marvel takes a big swing with its latest series starring an indigenous hero. How far did they hit? Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. Oppenheimer seems poised to blow up award season this year, and Jason Statham is buzzing into the theaters this weekend as the beekeeper. Plus, some exciting news concerning everyone's favorite little green friend. Want to start with Marvel debuting its new show featuring an indigenous hero set in the world of Daredevil. It's called Echo. Maya, I see everything that you are. You and I are the same. I taught you everything. Don't be afraid. I was there for you! How could you betray me like this? a chance for you to get out of this alive. You want a war? You'll have it. You take away my legacy, I take away yours! And only then, I will give you the sweet relief of death. <laughs> What did you do? Marvel Studios Echo. All episodes streaming tonight. Set your Disney Plus profile to TVMA to stream. So those arrived on Tuesday. First one, I'll offer you a quick summary. I said the world of Daredevil. Daredevil, of course, was on Netflix from 2015, and it triggered a total of six Marvel shows on Netflix, and these were all darker and grimier and in a more mature, more violent corner of the MCU. The shows were Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders, and The Punisher, which, by the way, those shows have now officially been canonized by Marvel, so that's pretty cool. So we then bump back into Kingpin, who was the bad guy in Daredevil, in this New world of the Disney Plus Marvel television shows. 2021, we got the TV series Hawkeye. So that's when we see the Kingpin pop back up. We saw Daredevil pop up in She-Hulk. But one of his primary bad guys, one of Kingpin's bad guys in Hawkeye was Maya Lopez, who is played by indigenous actor Alaqua Cox. Her character is indigenous Latin American, is deaf, and is missing half her right leg. The actor is also deaf and is missing half her right leg. I didn't realize when I watched Hawkeye that she was really deaf and actually disabled. A, I guess I didn't do my research, LOL. And B, that's just how good she is at the fight stuff, I guess, because you never realize she was missing a leg unless she pulls up her pant leg. And she does that in that series, but I just figured it was some trickery. Now in this new show, she returns home to Oklahoma after the events of that series, to regroup and try to take down Kingpin's network. But it doesn't take long for her past to catch up to her. Just as Marvel did for its What If series, which just aired at the end of 2023, where in that series they worked with the Mohawk Nation to accurately portray and create its first ever hero specifically for the MCU, and specifically this was an indigenous warrior named Kahori. This show, Echo, worked in collaboration with the Choctaw Nation to ensure they got it right. And so far, the show has been 
immensely praised by the Indigenous community. Should also point out there are several Canadians in the cast. Not Alakwa Cox, she's from Wisconsin, but Graham Greene is in the cast. Devery Jacobs is in the cast. Devery Jacobs, by the way, was also the voice of Kahori in What If, and she's keen on doing a live-action adaptation if Marvel is down with that. She also co-starred in one of the seasons of that Canadian crime drama from a couple of years ago, Cardinal, which was a series I loved. She's a great young actor. It's five episodes. They all arrived on Disney Plus on Tuesday night. It's at 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't bad, but it's not super. Jeff, what did you think? I really liked it. I've only watched two so far. I love the the low stakes uh, and the aspects of that, like there's no cruising through space or lifting of cities, saving the world. It's all street level, everything, which I just find is a nice change of pace for Marvel stuff. Honestly, I think I would also watch this if it was just the family drama of this lady coming back to her hometown. Um, I, I, I found it interesting and engaging. Usually those kind of storylines take a huge backseat to the adventure aspects of superhero stories, but I've really been into it with this so far and I, I think it's just impressive how quickly and effectively they set up this whole other world getting all the backstory down from before we met Maya and Hawkeye all the Hawkeye stuff and now into the present and I guess only having the five episodes to tell their story seems to make them move faster I guess uh, the show Fargo is also on the air right now and always has a lot of Midwestern stuff obviously so once or twice while watching Echo I forgot I was watching a Marvel show and I was getting it mixed up with Fargo because frankly a lot of these indigenous actors showed up in Fargo <laughs> before so uh, I was you know that's what I get I watch them both like the same night as well so it's like that's what I get for that uh, all that said I thought the action which has been you know there hasn't been a ton of it through two episodes I thought it's been pretty great uh, there's some fighting scenes in New York at the beginning of the first episode and then there's a thing with the train in the second episode I thought was awesome uh, Lacqua Cox like you said is great Vincent D'Onofrio is always amazing as Kingpin Graham Greene always a treat to, uh, to see and this guy playing uh, her cousin, Biscuits, he's stealing the show. And I, I just love that his name is Biscuits. I don't know if they're going to explain that at some point or not, but whatever. We'll see. Uh, there's one actress who plays one of her ancestors. There's Each episode seems to have like a flashback to some of her ancestors. And there was one, and I was like, where do I know this lady from? And I couldn't figure it out. And I was scouring the IMDb page, and I was clicking on everybody. And it's like, well, maybe that's just a weird picture of her. And I was clicking, no, that's not her. And it couldn't. she's not credited. Her name is Julia Jones, and you know where we know her from, Brett? She was the sheriff and Dexter's girlfriend on Dexter New Blood. Okay. Yeah. That's it. I was, at first, I thought... I had to pause it to do all that research because I was like, it was driving me nuts. Where is she from? Okay. And I, I also recognize her from the film Wind River. Do you yeah. remember that one with, uh, I, with starring Hawkeye, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Renner? I saw that it was one of her credits. I don't remember that movie well enough to put her in it, but yeah. Good movie. Um, and I think one of the, the good byproducts of Marvel kind of hitting the rocky patch they've hit the last couple of years is that they're willing to branch out a bit more and hopefully... This pays enough dividends that we get some more similar branching out into different areas. I, I like that they're kind of mixing it up a little bit here with a little bit of a different style, lower stakes, like we said, and even the dropping of the five episodes. I'm sure they're just doing it to see, you know, how that affects them. I would sort of think I'm. I think they'll go back to weekly because I think they like having this stuff strung out. Like people could talk about Echo for five weeks, but now they're going to talk about it for one week. Yeah, and that that was the speculation. We even talked about this. Are yeah. they doing this because they're just trying to? sort of dump it and put it behind them because they feared that it wouldn't go over very well. Because it, if, depending, if you listen to the naysayers, they were saying that this was doomsday, that it was going to be horrible and everything sucks about it. And so far, I wouldn't 
say it sucks. I didn't love it. I, I should I should start by saying I've only seen three episodes, so I'm not prepared to deliver a verdict yet. Yeah. I did find the first episode somewhat boring. I think that's partly because it required a fair amount of exposition because, as you probably noticed, Jeff, at the beginning in the opening credits, they had something called Marvel Spotlight. So that's yeah, I saw a, that. So that's a new banner for Marvel where it's essentially standalone content. As in you could, because that's become one of the problems with Marvel is that if you don't watch all of it, especially since they launched the television series, you might get to a chapter where you're confused. Like, I don't know what's going on here. I missed, I didn't watch, sorry, I didn't have time to watch 28 movies yeah. or whatever. And if you didn't watch the Miss Marvel series, the last Marvel's movie, the Captain Marvel movie wouldn't have made a lot of sense to you. Yeah, so Marvel Spotlight, and, and this is based on on an old branch of Marvel comics that where they would introduce standalone stories, like characters like Spider-Woman were introduced in the Spotlight banner in the comics, as well as Red Wolf, who is Marvel's first indigenous superhero. Even Ghost Rider was introduced in the Marvel Spotlight banner in the comic books. So... That's what they're doing now with this series. And it, it, so you can watch it. They take you back to the events of Hawkeye and they take you back to certain things to get you caught up. And I'm glad they did because and I was watching that and I was like, oh, this is good because I don't remember any of this. And to the point where I was like, I don't know if this has just been lifted from that Hawkeye show or if this is new stuff they shot with Jeremy Renner <laughs> and the Kingpin or whatever. There was a couple shots where I was like, oh, well, clearly this Alaco Cox. That's obviously a few years ago or whatever because she, she's a young enough lady that like four years or three years or whatever it's been. You can tell the difference in her age. Yeah. Renner looks pretty much the same. So they did a great job I think with that and I kind of like this spotlight thing and I like that it, it, it part of the, the the reasoning too is it'll allow them to tell stories that are maybe a bit more mature or a bit grittier like this. I will say this, um, the, the marketing promised like this down dirty gritty crime drama, drama with lots of fights and beat em ups and I was excited about that. And I want to preface this next comment with, I mean, no disrespect, but the very first shot looks like it takes place in some mystical space realm. Yeah. And I thought, oh, come on, Marvel. What are you doing? And then, But you very, very quickly realize that they're taking us back to the origins of the Choctaw people and their sort of supernatural history. So it's it ends up being really cool. I just thought, oh, my God, what are you doing here? Uh, but overall, I thought it was okay. I was just sort of bored with a lot of it, but I do like the cast. And uh, again, like tons of Canadians in it, so that's pretty cool. I'm anxious to... to watch the rest of it play out. Yeah. Hopefully it lands and sticks the landing. And I really enjoyed, like, I'm so impressed with her, her fighting skills and her physicality, given that she is missing part of her leg. So that's pretty cool. So looking forward to finishing out echo. And up next you talk about, <laughs> you really want to talk about a good beat em up <laughs> boy. Oh boy. There is a show on prime that the two of us love. You are listening to the couch potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And we want to talk about a show that's been on for a while. It started in December, but we've not yet had a chance to talk about season two of Reacher. You've been carjacked, right? Don't turn around. This won't take long. Wait, who are you? Someone who prefers not getting involved. Need a new jacket. What's wrong with the one you just bought? 
It has blood on it. Reacher on Prime Video stars Alan Richson as Jack Reacher, a hulking behemoth who's also a drifter and an investigator. Last season, he drifted into a town to investigate his brother's death and got swept up in a local corruption case. And this time, he's teamed up with his old army unit to investigate who's trying to seemingly kill them. And I think it's been firing on all cylinders. Uh, we've seen five or six episodes at this point. Uh, it's fun. It's funny. There's a lot of great action. It's very cool. It's an interesting switch from that first season where where he was kind of a stranger in a strange land to this season where he's teamed up with all his friends. So he's got pre-existing relationship with like four people that he's hanging out with the whole time. Uh, I saw someone complain that the acting sucked, which I don't get. I mean, it's got its own style dialogue wise that I can see, I guess some people thinking it's clunky or weird. I think it's just kind of pulpy from those books that's based on a book series. There've been a lot of lines where I thought, Oh, that must've been a direct lift from the book kind of a deal. Um, it's an interesting story. It's been unfolding in a satisfying way. I'm not entirely sure I understand all of it at this point, but I, I guess I will by the end. Uh, it's felt like there's been a lot of forward propulsion throughout. So it, it just doesn't hang around to one spot too long. It keeps moving and it hasn't been getting bogged down in the middle, which is, Oh, you know, really nice and it feels like a lot of shows are actually getting better at their middle episodes because uh, we used to complain all the time about every streaming series where the middle would suck but now it seems like it's a lot of these shows have figured out how to do that hopefully that's a trend that continues but so far uh reacher's just been on fire for me it's i've been looking forward to it every week what do you think brett oh uh, yeah same here totally agree and i, I didn't I hadn't heard that about the acting sucked, so I just to immediately tumble down a rabbit hole here, and I see that Eric Kane at Forbes, he didn't specifically, maybe he mentions it in this review, but the headline is Reacher Season 2 is now officially one of the worst shows on TV. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't quite understand that, so let me just head to the Rotten Tomatoes here, because I am quite surprised. Everything that I've read, or at least everything... I thought that I had read was positive on this. And uh, the viewership I know, like Prime is saying that the viewership for, yeah, it's at 97% for its second season. Those are a couple of people that don't like it. All right. Ignore them. But the, yeah, the, the viewership, from what I understand, Prime is saying for the first three episodes of season two, they, the viewership entirely, uh, surpassed the first season by 150%. Wow. So, Because the, the first season came out in early 2022. I think so. I think. So we've had, it's had some time to grow and probably for word of mouth because I think it's a show that probably flew under the radar for the most part, but it probably people like me and you telling people, hey, Reacher is awesome and this guy's really cool, Alan Richson, whom you might remember as Aquaman in Smallville. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I just learned that this week that he played. I never watched Smallville, but uh, yeah, I guess he was Aquaman in that show. But I love it. I think it's great. And I, I like that it's, it just feels like something from a bygone era. Yep. Where it's just a simple yep. mystery or with action, really intense action. And even by God, there's some some titillating activity on screen. Rich Reacher takes his shirt off and he gets into bed with a really sexy woman. Like, you don't, I don't know, you just don't seem to see that stuff anymore. So you mentioned the word pulpy. It's it's a pulpy show that is not trying to, it's not trying to be anything fancy. It's nope. just a fun action show. And I love it and I can't wait for more. It's only eight episodes. I think we've got, what, two left? 
Something like that. Is that it? Is it only eight? I think season two is only. I think both. Wasn't the first season only eight? That could be. I don't know. And and speaking of 10 episode seasons, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, I think this week is the finale for that show. It's either this week or next week. I can't remember because they both show up on Friday. So Fridays have been actually pretty fun for the last few weeks. Normally, I just like to watch movies on Friday. But when you got a one-two punch like that... No pun intended, and particularly with Reacher <laughs> or with the giant monsters. But yeah, Reacher is pretty cool. So that's on Fridays on Prime, and uh, we can't recommend it enough. Coming up in a moment, we have to tell you what's new at the movies this weekend. Surprisingly, I'm actually really pleasantly surprised to see that Jason Statham's new movie is getting pretty good reviews. And we got to tell you about some really exciting news from way off in space, you're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and there's a new Jason Statham action movie out this weekend, and it looks like a lot of fun. It's called The Beekeeper. Repeat after me. I will never steal from the weak and the vulnerable again. There's going to be a fire. Okay, thanks. This is a beekeeper. A special program outside the chain of command. When the system is corrupt, I correct it. He's stolen millions from people who've worked hard all their lives. We have laws for these things. Until they fail, then you have me. The Beekeeper, rated R, only in theaters, January 12th. Statham plays, well, a real beekeeper whose neighbor is killed, sort of. According to the trailer, she kind of takes her own life after being scammed out of all her money, and she's played by Mrs. Huxtable. She and the beekeeper were friends, so he goes on a revenge mission to take care of the people who scammed her out of her money, and it turns out he's also another kind of beekeeper. It's some sort of black ops government assassin group or something dumb like that. I think it would have been more fun, honestly, if he was just a beekeeper who decided to go on a revenge killing spree, but oh well. Jeremy Irons plays the bad guy. He's a good bad guy. He was awesome in uh, Die Hard with a V. He was also, I guess, the best part in the first Dungeons & Dragons movie 25 years ago, which I watched recently and is terrible. Uh, I think the last time I saw him in anything was that Watchmen series. Again, another great villain performance, although I I did see him as Alfred in the DCEU a couple of times since. The Beekeeper had 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, which for a January action thriller starring Jason Statham is pretty astounding, really. I've already got my ticket, Brett. I will have a full review next week. I'm excited to go see The Beekeeper. Yeah, when I, somebody told me, you got to look up this trailer for The Beekeeper, <laughs> I thought, that sounds ridiculous. And then I watched it, and I thought, that looks fun. Yeah. And Jason Statham, good for the guy. I mean, he, he all, he's, not a, he's not somebody who is trying to win awards. He's nope. just doing that action thing. He's wow. making the money while he can. We give uh, Keanu Reeves and Tom Cruise all this credit for doing action into whatever age they are. And, I mean, Jason Statham has been doing this for 25 years, too. And he still looks the same, question mark? (laughs) I mean, I guess we see him all the time, so we don't really notice him aging. But he still looks like a, you know, he could pass for 35, I think. Yeah, he's 56 now. You're right. He does look the same because he's always... Shaved head helps. He's always had the bald look. And... The the good thing with him, too, is whenever he does decide to stop doing the action, he was already a proven comedic actor. Oh, yeah. 
Like I lock stock, I, lock stock, and two smoking barrels, and then snatch, and then suddenly he's the transporter. Yeah, and he's doing all these action movies. I remember being bummed at the time when he started doing the transport. I was like, "What? He's a funny actor. He's a good actor. He should be doing just like a dramas or comedies or something like that instead of just all these trashy action movies." But now it's like, "Hey, these trashy action movies are fun." So all right, yeah, so good for Statham. Also new this weekend. This is interesting. It's it's an adaptation of a film from 2004, but it also co-stars the original creator. What? It's Mean Girls. Welcome to Health and Human Sexuality. This won't be awkward at all, I swear to God. So let's get started. You could get really hot. You change, like, everything. Good Lord. Slay queen. Go make snaps. For sure, Regina, yeah. We do it every year. It's like a tradition. Recurring nightmare. Regina really should be lifting through her glutes. Mean Girls. Get in, loser. Only in theaters January 12th. All right. So Mean Girls came out in 2004, written by Tina Fey and starring Lindsay Lohan and um, Rachel McAdams, right? Yep. Okay, I've only seen it once. Have you seen the original Mean Girls? I did see it for the first time like three years ago. Okay, so eventually they created a Broadway musical based on that film, which opened in 2018. It premiered in 2017, opened in 2018, and played its final performance on Broadway on March 11th. And that musical is done music by Jeff Richmond, lyrics for by Neil Benjamin, and a book by Tina Fey, who is heavily involved in this new film. She and uh, Tim... I got too many windows in front of me here. Tim... uh, (laughs) Shoot, I just had it. I already forgot what you said. He's uh, reprising his role in... Tim Meadows, sorry. Oh, Tim Meadows. Yeah, I've got like 10 windows here. I'm bouncing back and forth trying to find the different little tidbits. But yeah, Tina Fey and Tim Meadows will reprise their characters of Ms. Norbury and Mr. Duvall, respectively, 20 years after the original Mean Girls. So this is uh, more of a musical comedy. Makes sense after... Because it's a set in high school, right? Yeah. And so who stays behind in high school for 20 years? The teachers. There you go. And it looks it looks pretty good, getting decent reviews, and kind of, Tina Fey rarely misses. Yeah, she's a funny lady, and she knows how to, she knows about story structure, yada, yada, yada. She's good at her job. <laughs> so those are the two movies out this weekend. And now, speaking of exciting news at the movies, some really exciting news this week, and intriguing news that comes from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away regarding two of the most popular characters of the Disney era of Star Wars. All right, kid. Hang on. You ready for an adventure? This is the way. The Mandalorian and Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, are getting their own movie called The Mandalorian and Grogu. This from StarWars.com. The Mandalorian and Grogu are embarking on a new adventure to movie theaters. Directed by John Favreau and produced by Favreau, Kathleen Kennedy, and Dave Filoni, this new chapter in The Mandalorian and Grogu's journey will go into production in 2024. It will lead Lucasfilm's ongoing feature development slate, which includes films helmed by Charmin Obeid Chinoy, James Mangold, and Dave Filoni, who is also currently developing Ahsoka Season 2 among those in the works. So those three movies just mentioned were announced earlier last year, so this is a fourth movie on top of them 
because Filoni has what's currently being referred to as his heir to the Empire movie, which at least as I understand it, will was to have the Mandoverse lead to the events of that movie with the aforementioned season two of Ahsoka, a fourth season of The Mandalorian, and then we've still got this show starring Jude Law coming this year called Skeleton Crew. So they've got a lot of ground to cover before they get to that big movie. So I'm, I've got no clue how Favreau's movie is going to fit into the timeline with The Mandalorian and Grogu. And honestly, we have no clue if season four of the television series will even be about Din Djarin, who is the titular The Mandalorian, and Grogu, because there's speculation that The Mandalorian will now be primarily about the character Bo-Katan, because season three was already more about her anyway. So, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm excited, and, I, and I, I'm starting to get a sense that Star Wars is maybe looking to do some... I don't know if course correction is the word, but their television universe overall, their television galaxy, hasn't been met with a ton of enthusiasm. Even season three of The Mandalorian was... Because season two was so good. Season one was good. Season two was great. Season three, I didn't mind it, but a lot of people hated it. Well, I mean, it's Star Wars, though, so whatever it is, half the people are not going to enjoy it anyways. I think a lot of Star Wars fans just live to complain about Star Wars, so yeah. uh, it's it's hard to even judge how, you know, the state of anything in that universe. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I like The Mandalorian and Grogu. I like a lot of the other stuff they've done. Uh, um, I don't get super excited about Star Wars stuff anymore, but I, I do watch it all still, so we'll see. Yeah. Well, we're still waiting for season two of Andor, which is looking like a 2025 release. Yeah, that would be that um, that what I would actually get excited for cuz I really like the first one. There was a hilarious uh, photo after the Golden Globes of Mark Hamill and Natalie Portman that Mark Hamill tweeted out saying, "Hey, I finally met my mom for the first time ever." <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He had never met her? I guess not. I don't know how that's possible, but Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, good for him. He's a wild man on Twitter, on social media. Um, and you know what, speaking of awards, we had a big one just this past weekend, and there's another big one coming soon. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and Hollywood's award season is suddenly and fully upon us. Oppenheimer! Oprah Winfrey announcing Oppenheimer's win for Best Drama at the Golden Globe Sunday night, one of its leading five wins, including Best Director for Christopher Nolan. As directors, we bring people together and we try and get them to give them their best. In a bit of a surprise, Emma Stone's Poor Things beat out Barbie for Best Comedy or Musical. Barbie did snag two Globes in the show televised on CBS, including the new category for Box Office Achievement, star Margot Robbie thanking the movie fans. We made it for you, and we made it with love, and thank you for loving it back. On the TV side, Succession scored Best Drama, The Bear, Top Comedy. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Beverly Hills. So we had the Golden Globes last weekend. This weekend, it's the strike-delayed Emmy Awards, and it won't be long until it's time for the Oscars. Now, the Globes, yikes, haven't seen that kind of train wreck in a long time. Although, after a really rocky start with the monologue bombing Joe Coy, it eventually started to feel like a normal show. But there were a lot of cringy moments throughout the evening brought on by uh, really bad presenters, either them themselves or the material that was prepared for them. Apparently, it was uh, new people behind the scenes producing 
producing the show, and they only got a host at the last minute, so maybe it's not a surprise that a lot of it was kind of rough to watch. As for the awards themselves, Oppenheimer, the big winner on the movie side, and is now by far the Oscar favorite. I guess Christer, uh, director Christopher Nolan and acting winners Killian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. are as well. I was a little perturbed that Barbie didn't uh, pick up a couple more awards. It won two, including Best Song for Billie Eilish and the aforementioned uh, Cinematic and Box Office Achievement Award. Um, I mean, it made the most money last year, so that makes sense. Some of the awards I wanted it to win instead went to other worthy movies, though. Uh, Best Screenplay, for example. I would love to see Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach win that, but Anatomy of a Fall won instead, and that movie was also great, so hard to get upset about any of this kind of thing, these kind of things. Uh, I haven't seen the movie Poor Things with Emma Stone, but she beat Margot Robbie, and the movie won Best Musical or Comedy, so that's a Oscar contender as well. And the holdovers won a pair of acting awards for Divine Joy Randolph and Paul Giamatti, while Killers of the Flower Moon made history with Lily Gladstone, becoming the first Indigenous woman to win Best Actress in a Drama. So, a really good year for awards movies. All those movies are good, uh, except for the one I hadn't seen, like I said, Poor Things, but uh, it seems like a really good crop of, of movies this year to hand out awards to, so I think whatever wins in any category will be a worthy victory. And then on the TV side of things, Succession, The Bear, and Beef won all the awards except for one uh, that went to The Crown. Matthew McFadden, Sarah Snook, and Kieran, Kieran Culkin picking up Golden Globes for Succession was good to see. Very well deserved, of course. I'll have to check out the show The Bear at some point. I've all the People that like it really like it. It's There are two seasons out now. Um, and they're on Disney+, Plus, so I'll definitely check that out before Season 3 comes along. And then with the Emmys up this weekend, you know, it'll be interesting to see if anything else kind of breaks through. But I expect we will see Succession winning a lot of awards. And, uh, you know, I haven't met anyone who's seen that show Beef yet. I, it was on my list on Netflix. I just never got around to watching it, but I don't know. Probably won't at this point. Anthony Anderson from Blackish is to host the Emmys on Sunday, and he must be breathing a sigh of relief because he could, you know, get up there and slap three people, and people still be like, hey, you're better than Joe Coy. That guy's had a rough week, I would imagine. And then the SAG Award nominations were announced this week. That's the Screen Actors Guild which, of course, was one of the guilds that went on strike last year. Barbie and Oppenheimer leading that pack with four nominations each. Other nominees for the top prize in that, which is called the Best Ensemble, are Killers of the Flower Moon, American Fiction, and The Color Purple. And on the TV front, Succession leads the SAGs with five nominations, followed closely behind by Ted Lasso, The Bear, and The Last of Us, each were earning uh, four nominations apiece. So if you like uh, movie awards and TV awards, this is the season. And uh, all I'll really say about that, well, two things, actually. Jennifer Lawrence reactions seem to be getting a lot of attention on social media because when she was, they were reading out the nominees for her category, she looked into the camera and mouthed, if I don't win, I'm leaving. Yeah, but so, she didn't. <laughs> and then uh, I'm trying to figure out if, she, she got really excited when Emma Stone won, but I'm trying to figure out if she was playing up that she thought she had won and no. then realized that Emma Stone, and I know whatever, if that was the case, it was just a gag. Yeah. Or if she was just happy for Emma Stone winning. Either way, Jennifer Lawrence, always a delight. But uh, I don't know why anybody would want to be a host at these things anymore. And nobody does. And that's why Joe Coy had to do it, because he is not a household name. I guess amongst comedians, he's people know him, that type of thing. But yeah, it's and 
I agree. It's it's a it's like president of the United States. There's just no winning with that job. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just that you're asking for people to dunk on you, which is what happens. So we'll see what happens with uh, Anthony Anderson hosting the Emmys. That's a pretty good move, though. That guy, he's just so such a pleasant guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's I think likeable. he'd be all right. Yeah, he's likable. He can do comedy. He can do drama. Yeah. And he's well respected and well known. So I think he'll probably be better as long as he doesn't make any dumb jokes about Barbie. He'll probably make a joke about making dumb jokes about Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't imagine he, he'll have any problems this week. Just want to quickly mention a couple of exciting shows coming to or have already arrived on your television, starting with one that debuts on Monday on HBO. I'm working on this new case. A missing scientist found on the edge of the villages. Frozen solid. What do you want? Six years. Why are you here? Because you both know what really happened. And you need my help. I've seen that before. Years ago. Fine. I'm just gonna do this one thing. Work together to close this case. And that's it for the two of us. It is. So, you want in or what? Burnt eyeballs. Self-inflicted wounds. Those men died before they froze. Jodie Foster stars in True Detective Night Country. I was actually really surprised to see HBO go back to the True Detective well. And it looks like good for them for doing it because it's at 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, same here. And I like like crime dramas that are set in winter. Just adds to the creepiness. So it looks pretty cool. And it looks like it might have some sort of a tie-in to that very first season, which was pretty cool. Also, just want to quickly mention this. Airing in Canada on Showcase. Dear future Ted, it's me, 1993 Ted. If you're reading this, it means we got a new series on the most successful streaming platform ever. Yeah, we, we got a new series. Is the future amazing? I bet NASA sends people to the moon all the time. Moon colony, negative. Unlimited porn in our pockets? Check. Anyway, I can't wait to see your world of flying cars, normal weather, and new TV characters that don't just rehash old stuff. Poor bum had so much hope. It's Ted, the weed-smoking, obscene, profane, goofball, talking teddy bear who starred in a couple of movies with Mark Wahlberg and Mila Kunis, voiced by Seth MacFarlane. And Seth is back to bring the bear back, but they're going back to when he was younger and when Mark Wahlberg's character was younger. It's going back to where it all went wrong. It's a TV show. It's a television show that debuts on Showcase. It's from Peacock in the States. It's being called an event series. So that's Thursdays on Showcase. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.